Coming up on today's episode of the Hey Girlfriend podcast. I started realizing more and more that, yeah, I'm emotionally unavailable. You know what they like to label you strong? Like my best friend, she used to always say, you so strong. And I'm like, it's, I'm not strong. I'm just hiding it well. And back then, I used to be like, I took it as a compliment. Like, okay, yeah. But now I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I can't. And, you know, and it's like. It sounds bad. Like, it's okay to be strong in some things and to push through. But it's like, I don't want to be just labeled that. Like, I'm soft. I'm a crybaby. <laughs> I am emotional. I am sensitive. I am those things. What if, what if, you are emotionally unavailable too? You know, because you can be with someone and they're, and you know for sure that they are emotionally unavailable. And so you find yourself, you know, constantly trying to pull emotions out of them. You find yourself not being able to express yourself with them. You find yourself trying to get them to express how they feel about you. Because it's not like it's it's pulling teeth just to get them to give a damn. And they don't like to talk about feelings. Not theirs or listen to yours. They're not just there. They don't seem like they care about you, you know. And then, of course, you find yourself getting very emotional. Even, you know, crying about it, upset about it, crying yourself to sleep about it. Um, you find yourself very, very, you know, upset all the time. And so you may think, like, okay, that means I am emotionally available. You know, because look at me. I'm crying. I have emotions. I'm trying to get them to see, you know, it feels like, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm emotionally available. You would think you are, you know, I thought I was, you know, if you grew up in an emotionally unavailable household, you're going to think that's normal. You know, you're going to think that it's normal that you have to make someone, you have to fight for someone's love, I guess I would say. And I'm just like, found myself, I found myself in those relationships like that. Back to back, you know, and never once did I consider that maybe I could be emotionally unavailable too. And so for me, the journey to becoming more emotionally available is still a journey, to be honest. But the way that I've really worked through it is being more compassionate towards myself. And that right there alone really sparked the emotional un emotional availability in me. Excuse me, can I please talk to you for a minute? When you're going through something, sometimes it helps to know that there's someone out there that understands you and what you're actually going through. It makes the healing journey a little easier. The creator of the I've Been That Girl social media community that currently has a growing number of followers and dearly known as girlfriends brings to you the Hey Girlfriend podcast. Tune in every Thursday to hear conversations that are honest, vulnerable, empathetic, and relatable hosted by author and mindset and intuitive coach Kendall D. These conversations are sure to empower you with more clarity and understanding about your own healing journey. Every episode will include Kendall sharing intimate parts of her personal healing journey, from surviving toxic relationships to healing trauma to unlearning old conditioning and thinking patterns. Consider yourself now having a friend by your side that just gets you. Hey, girlfriends. 
Welcome back to the Hey Girlfriend Podcast. I'm your host, Mindset and Intuitive Coach, Kendall D. And I know it's been a while. Well, it's been two weeks. But, since I did one. But, this past Thursday was Thanksgiving. Week before that, I just... I actually, it came it came up on me fast and I forgot to record. Like, oh, sh- shit. I ain't did a podcast episode. And plus, I was like, I'm running out of topics. And not really running out, but it's like... I guess I get busy with so much, y'all. That my mind is not even thinking about... You know, thinking about I've been that girl stuff. And I hate that because this is my dream, my baby. But it's like, I have to trust that things will come to me. Thoughts will come to me. New talks will come to me. New posts will come to me and stuff like that. So it's not that I'm inconsistent or trying to be inconsistent. I'm definitely trying to be consistent. It's just that I guess I go where the wind blows me. And and I just have to go with ease. I don't want to force anything out. Now that that, I guess, homework is out the way, let's get into the topic. Um, this is my new little setup. Just a little some, You know, I feel like it's missing something back here on the wall. Maybe put that on the wall, but I wanted it close up. You can read it. thought it was cute. I don't know. And I got me a new mic. Oh, my gosh. It's like one that is hands-free and it clips to the table. And it's like, oh, my gosh. It's like I can talk with it. I have to, oh, love my new setup. I changed my whole room around. So, yeah. Yeah, LD for now, you know, until I get me a real studio and I have like celebrity guests. That is something that I am manifesting that I really want to do. I really want to talk to like celebrities and about the deep shit that I already talk about, though, not just interview them about, you know, I just, you know, you get what I'm saying. I don't got to explain it. Anyway, that's enough. That's more homework. That's enough. Today's topic came to me. Um, from one of the posts I did, it's about emotional availability. And, you know, we always talk about how, you know, you know, a man not being emotionally available and how, you know, we're fighting with them to be more emotionally available with us and how they're just so aloof, nonchalant. You know, we talk about men all the time, but it's like, what about you? You know, what if you are emotionally unavailable too and just don't know it and the reason why you may not know it is because you haven't been with anyone healthy to actually show you what that's like and not only that is especially if you found yourself growing up in a household where emotions weren't talked about or disgust or you weren't allowed to say how you felt or you felt like you were hushed or felt like you were looked over and just more so criticized instead of being able to actually feel any feelings you know I was labeled a crybaby growing up because I cried a lot never had anyone to help me with my emotions um my family wasn't very emotionally available my mom dad which made I feel like really played a part in in my sisters and I fighting a lot growing up. Um, we're better now for the most part. But I see that that had a lot to do with how we grew up. Because I see a lot of sisters now and it's like they're like close as ever. And and, and we got there. We, we're cool. But it's like growing up. It was a lot. We fought. Like fought, fought. 
And and I think it's because of there was just no real love flowing. No real connection about feelings flowing. None of that. And so if you grew up anything like that, think about it. You know, how emotional available are you going to be? And you know how they like to say, you know, you can't request, you know, something in a partner for them to possess something that you don't have. But it's like some, it's not like we knew we were emotionally unavailable. More than likely, you probably didn't realize it, you know. And I hate that when they paint that picture, like we are deliberately trying to avoid our shit. That's not always the case. It's sometimes we don't know that it's there. We don't know that it's a problem. I didn't know mine was a problem until like later on down the line. But I saw little instances of it, but I just didn't quite know what it was. Because think about it. If you grew up in an emotionally unavailable home, you're not going to know what it looks like to be emotionally available. You're not going to know what that looks like. You're going to think what you've been around is normal. So when you see it, you're not going to think of it. But you don't realize that it's a problem. So... What if, what if you are emotionally unavailable too? You know, because you can be with someone and they're, and you know for sure that they are emotionally unavailable. And so you find yourself, you know, constantly trying to pull emotions out of them. You find yourself not being able to express yourself with them. You find yourself trying to get them to express how they feel about you. Because it's not like it's it's pulling teeth just to get them to give a damn. And they don't like to talk about feelings. Not theirs or listen to yours. They're not just there. They don't seem like they care about you, you know. And then, of course, you find yourself getting very emotional. Even, you know, crying about it, upset about it, crying yourself to sleep about it. Um, you find yourself very, very, you know, upset all the time and so you may think like okay that means i am emotionally available you know because look at me i'm crying i have emotions i'm trying to get them to see you know it feels like yeah you know i i i'm emotionally available you would think you are you know i thought i was but you will look like a saint compared to whoever your relationship with if they have a lot of shit that they need to work on you know and once again, I've seen some posts where they like to say that, you know, that's why we find ourselves in these toxic or bad relationships. Because it's like, it takes the lens off us. It takes the blame off us. We don't have to hold ourselves accountable now because, look, we're all focused on them and what they're doing wrong. At least for myself. And I can say for about probably half, if no, I'm going to say more than half of the women that are on my page is not the case. And, you know, I understand that about us. It's not that we're deliberately trying to avoid ourselves. It's that we, this is all we know. You know, if you grew up in an emotionally unavailable household, you're going to think that's normal. You know, you're going to think that it's normal that you have to make someone, you have to fight for someone's love, I guess I would say. And I'm just like... Found myself, I found myself in those relationships like that back to back, you know, and never once did I consider that maybe I could be emotionally unavailable too. Now, I have posed the thing, the fact that maybe it's because, you know, you are attracted to emotionally unavailable people because you yourself are emotionally unavailable. 
that could be true in a sense, but I think it's more so that it's like a blind spot for you, if you will. That's where shadow work comes into place. It's like a blind spot for you because you can't see that that's what that is, that you are mostly unavailable. What you see is that that's normal and that everyone else is emotionally unavailable and that you have to pull the feelings out of them because it's what you're used to doing probably growing up. This is where you've been exposed to. And so for me, the journey to becoming more emotionally available is still a journey, to be honest. You know, it's not something that that's like a quick fix because it it didn't quickly happen to you. It was conditioned. And so I find that I sometimes still have my moments that I'm trying to work through. But the way that I've really worked through it is being more compassionate towards myself. And that right there alone really sparked the emotional, un emotional availability in me. Because I started sitting with myself, sitting with my feelings. Instead of um, bypass them, trying to gaslight myself out of them, that it's not really that. You know, you can't say things to yourself like, like you're wrong for feeling it or you should feel bad or ashamed of yourself. You know, with that shame that you hold, there's no, it's hard for you to be emotionally available because you're afraid to. You're afraid that in giving yourself compassion for those shortcomings you have or those blind spots, like I mentioned before, for you having that and you having to hold yourself accountable for that, it may hurt. You know, it actually may hurt to come to terms that this is something real. So it may feel better that you shame yourself out of or make yourself feel bad about it or try to talk yourself out of like, nope, nope, I shouldn't be feeling that. I shouldn't be feeling this way. And so I stopped that. I didn't do that. I instead held space for my feelings and held compassion for myself. And I learned more about what was causing me to feel that way. You know, and I got more curious about it and and like where it came from and that made me connect the dots back to my childhood and whatnot and to how my mom temperament was all this time you know I thought oh I just got daddy issues because my daddy you know he was there for me growing up but it's like flip-flopped and he changed as I became older and I started seeing his true colors so to speak I don't like to throw the word narcissist around like that but he did have some narcissistic tendencies, a narcissistic parent tendencies. You know, there's always the one parent that tries to make the other parent look bad. And he always tried to make it seem like he was the hero, quote unquote, and that it was my mom that was like the bad guy. and He was the good guy. He played that role a lot and really made me hate my mom growing up. And that's a whole evolution in itself of that, of how me and my mom are close. And now me and my dad are not close at all. We don't even speak. And I had to tell my mom recently, we went out together. We, it's something that we try to do from time to time. I talk to her on the phone all the time, but I told her, you know, you know, you're a lot different now, mom. You know, I told her you've, you're nothing like you were, to, uh, like you were when we were growing up. You're totally different now. Um, and I feel like, and I told her, I feel like, you know, it was maybe dad that was making you act like that and she kind of looked at me I can tell she got like a little not teary at but she got like a little 
I don't know what you call that. A little sentiment, sentimental. I don't know. I don't know what you would call it. She got to look at it. I was not kind of teary eyed. Not really. And she was like, "Yeah, y'all don't know the half of it." She said, "I try not to. T I try not to tell y'all all of that." You know, she was the parent that was not trying to paint my dad as a bad person. He was always trying to paint her as a bad person. I know that had to be hard, very hard on her. And she was married to him for years. She said she would leave work, leave for work an hour early just to get some kind of peace from him. And she said like her voice was cracking a bit, but she said that, and I never knew that. And I felt for her, you know, I really did. And it's like. Yeah, it was like the wrong man can really pull you down and it can really bring out the worst in you, you know, and seeing her talk about that like that and say that I've never knew that I knew it was bad, but it's some things that she still comes out and say that I never knew and this is part of me becoming more emotionally available It's like. Whenever anyone I love, whenever I see them or, or I'm around them, I try to have meaningful conversations, you know. Surface level is cool, like just talking about, you know, chatting it up, if you will. That's cool. But I try to have meaningful connections with anyone I come around, you know, something meaningful, make it meaningful. And sometimes the, the light stuff can be meaningful, you know. But anyway, it's just something that we're more feeling. And so I had the conversation with her recently and I was like, you know, mama, you are a lot different. It was almost like me saying, you know, I forgive you and I understand now and I see what you went through and I'm here now. She's way more emotionally available now than ever. And I mean, so am I. And so it was like in debt, we've learned to kind of, we're kind of like healing each other. And it took me some getting used to my mom being this emotionally available because I wasn't used to it growing up. You know, I didn't have that. And it, it took some getting used to. I'll just say that. She thought that I was, she could understand why sometimes I didn't want to come be around her. Or I was kind of like taken aback. And and, then, and wasn't really like, I just recently really started hugging her. And telling her I love her. You know, because we didn't really do that. We didn't do it at all. Not didn't really. We didn't do that at all in my household. <sighs> things are so different now with me and her and I love that for her but yeah that just goes to show you that that being with y'all being with the wrong somebody you have to have to be careful with who you take up time with and I know sometimes you don't know that that person is bad because especially if that's all you're used to you know I didn't necessarily know that my exes were bad I honestly thought it was part of the ups and downs and, you know, fighting with them to be more emotionally available when I'm that way myself. And so, how it came about that I started to realize it is that in my friendships as well, you know, not only did my friendships point out to me that I wasn't as emotionally available as some others, it also helped me to become more emotionally available. Like, I remember years ago, this was a long time ago, but me and my best friend, we were in... Um, I don't know. We were in high school and we went on a trip, right? Uh, a, a, a class trip. And, you know, we were away from our family. So I remember she would get off the phone with her mom every night. You know, we were telling her about our day and our trip. She'd get off with her phone with the phone with her mom every night and say, I love you. 
And then she would hear me talking to my mom, you know, having a conversation about all the stuff we did and just hang up the phone. So, all right, bye. And then one day she looked at me while we were on that trip. She looked at me like, you don't tell your mom I love you? And I just kind of looked. I'm like, I don't remember what I said. And she wasn't trying to double shade. She was honestly, like, curious. It's just like how I'm used to things a certain way. She's used to things being a certain way. She was like, so she found it so strange. And I was like, I don't know what we said. I think we said, we don't talk like that. I don't remember what I said. But I felt then that something was different. I didn't know what. I was like, no, we don't. Damn. I don't know what that was about. And so that was the first incident. That was years ago. And then as time moved forward, I started realizing more and more that, yeah, I'm emotionally unavailable. You know when they like to label you strong? Like my best friend, she used to always say, you so strong. And I'm like, it's, I'm not strong. I'm just hiding it well. And that's the number one thing that will let you know that you probably, you may be a little emotionally unavailable. When people that you care about that are close to you call you strong. When you know behind closed doors, you're not that strong. And she would always call me that. And, you know, when my parents divorced, I didn't cry. I didn't care. There's um, a few other instances. And she was like, yeah, you really strong. I'm just, and back then, I used to be like, I took it as a compliment. Like, okay, yeah. But now I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I can't. And, you know, and it's like, it sounds bad. Like, it's okay to be strong in some things and to push through. But it's like, I don't want to be just labeled that. Like, I'm soft. I'm a crybaby. <laughs> I am emotional. I am sensitive. I am those things. And I've learned to now share that. But something that we must do is be careful with who we share those parts of ourselves with. You do. Now, you can't get that mixed up with being emotionally unavailable. You have to determine who's a safe space for you. My friends, my close friends, my best friend, my mom. My husband, they're safe space for me to be emotionally available. Some people, you know, if you try to open up to, they may shut you down. And I'm telling you, while you're on your healing journey to become more emotionally available, anyone that shuts you down or your feelings down or tries to help make you bypass it, like, oh, it's okay, you know, you'll be all right, just get over it, or trying to make you kind of like move past it instead of sitting with you and feeling it. And like, you know, I'm really, really just sitting with you in your feelings and then you process it. If they're not there to do that, they're not safe. They may mean well, but it's not safe for you, especially if you're trying to move from being emotionally unavailable to emotionally available, you know? So that's something you are going to want to check as well on your healing journey. That's something I had to check and realize that it's certain people that I can have meaningful, deep conversations with and really be vulnerable and express myself with. And then there's some people that I cannot and that's something that you're going to have to determine. And so in being around spaces where I was able to really, you know, shed my skin, so to speak, and really express myself and really be vulnerable and be open. Like, I wish that on everyone listening and watching this right now, I wish and hope that you will find the people that really, really Take the light in you. And people that really want to 
understand how you feel. People that are going to make space for your feelings. People that are going to let you be emotionally available and open. You know, people that are going to wipe your tears and or let you cry. And people that are just going to make you feel safe to cry and not feel ashamed or embarrassed about it. You know, people that cry too, you know, be around. I wish that you can be around people that are actually able to cry and be sensitive too and feel too. And that you can have those deep, meaningful conversations with. Like, those conversations are everything. Like, don't sleep on those conversations. You know, um, I'm not saying that every time you meet someone, it has to be deep like that. But I'm saying, you know, don't be afraid to go there with people and to have those connections. Because those spaces are so healing. My friend group has definitely been a healing force on this journey to being more emotionally available. I feel like they all are way more emotionally available than I. And it's just been a journey. It's been tough because it's like... Not only are you afraid to be open to that vulnerable and you and you feel safer just keeping it to yourself. It's it's all those things. It's like, you know, you just don't know how to do that or you're afraid to. And when you're around the right people that let you, you know, show your true self. It's so healing because then you start to open up more. You find yourself being more emotionally available. It's not only you learning to be more compassionate with yourself. It's once you learn how to be compassionate with yourself, then you're able to be compassionate with others. You're able to open up with others. You're able to connect with them, you know. And so find those people, you know, even if it's just one or two somebodies. And the more that you are open and vulnerable, you may find yourself being able to connect with a lot more people. Because, y'all, we all have a lot more in common than what we would think. You know? Like, a lot of y'all come on my page and say, I love it. You're, you're like, I feel the same way. And you're speaking to me, like, on my Instagram, I've been that girl, and Facebook, all of that. A lot of y'all say that, but y'all just don't know that y'all are healing me, too. I say that all the time, like... Just because the stuff that I share, I never thought that anyone else felt the same. And so to see that, that right there is also going to help you be more emotionally available. To see that there are other people like you, that you are not alone. And that's the whole reason for what I do. Because to let people know you're not alone, that can help you take the shame off a little bit. And to help you to kind of come more into yourself and be more compassionate and understanding towards yourself. And when you have the compassion and understanding, you can't help but to love yourself more. And that will allow you to be open more because you have nothing to be ashamed about. That's why I'm able to share my story so candidly, so to speak, because I'm like, there's nothing you can come and say to me about my life or my journey. There's nothing you can say to me that would make me feel bad about me or myself. There is nothing, absolutely nothing you can say to make me feel ashamed of who I am or to make me regret my journey or regret sharing or being so open or vulnerable. Nothing. Because I've learned to accept me, all of me. And in that, that's where the emotional availability came into. Is learning to really accept myself fully. And it doesn't mean that I'm accepting that I am perfect. Or that I don't have flaws. Or that I don't have things I still need to work on. Or that I don't have healing to still do. Because healing is basically... A lifelong journey. You're always going to be triggered. And have new things that you have to work through. 
and you just get better at it. You know, not to say none of that exists. It's to say that I've accepted it all. I've accepted the lessons that I'm learning, the new lessons that I'm going to have to learn. I've accepted um, my blind spots and stuff that I'm still working on. I've accepted my triggers. I've accepted the good parts and the bad parts, basically. I've accepted all of me. And it's like, in doing that, it's like giving yourself a hug, for real. It is. It's, it's because it's like, I love me, you know? I really fuck with me. <laughs> it's, that's what it feels like. Because it's like, it's like I can kind of be like, now I know how I get like that. I was triggered. That's one of them triggers again. Like, damn, I jumped to conclusions again. Because sometimes I can be so, like, quick. Like, my husband told me the other day, like, babe, just see it out. Something we were doing. He was like, you got to see stuff out. I'm like, he, right. <laughs> My patience sometimes be this little. And I know that that's me. But it's like, I can laugh at it and know that, okay, I'm doing it against, you know, let's, let's fix it. Or let's, let's do better. Let's try to pay attention to it more and do better the next time. And you work through it. And you know that about you. You're self-aware. That's full in accepting yourself. And it's like, all of that in turn, help me to be more emotionally available. It's just really knowing who you are and even knowing where the emotional unavailability, start, unavailability started at. And yeah. And the way you would know you're emotionally unavailable is how are you with feelings? Just think about it like that. Like, do you feel your feelings? Are you open to your feelings? Are you open to other feelings? Are you open to hearing others or do you shut down or do you try to bypass your feelings or do you try to quickly, quote unquote, fix your feelings? You know, have you ever just sit with them? Have you ever just sit and cried? Have you ever just been sad? Have you ever just allowed yourself to grieve, allowed yourself to be disappointed, allowed yourself to just really be sad and cry about it? You know? And that's something I had to explain to my husband as well. It's like, I know you want to jump and be, you know, and save me. And I appreciate that. And I know you want to help me. But I'm like, I am will be okay. I just got to cry about it right now. <laughs> I was like, I will be okay. I just got to really feel this right now. And I find that in me being that emotionally available to where I'm just going to cry about it. And pout about it. Be upset. Disappointed about it. Just allow myself that space. Even to be angry about it. Just allow myself that space. And sitting in it. And processing it through. Instead of shaming myself for feeling it to begin with. I instead process it. That right there. Helps me to make the next move. That right there helps me to determine. What's the best move for me. What's next for me. Or what should I do about it. Or how can I fix this. You know. Like an example that I made on our post is that, you know, say, for example, you're in a job that you do not like, that it sucks the life out of you, basically, or you've been saying you want something different. And so, but what if every time you have that feeling like, I can't stand this job, it's making me so mad. And as soon as you have that feeling, you're like, nope, I should just be happy I have a job. Let me stop pouting. I should just be happy that someone was willing to hire me. Or I should just be happy that I'm making some money. I should, Or I should just be happy that I'm not on the street without a job. You know, that's gaslighting yourself out of what you feel. It's okay to feel that way about it. You don't have to compare yourself to someone else or some other instance, you know. Because when you do that, 
you will find yourself stuck in that same damn position and job 12 years from now and wonder how the hell did I get here? And so I'm saying it, you have to channel that anger, that disappointment, that grief, whatever it is you're feeling, the sadness, you have to channel that into what you can do about it. You know, and you only do that by when you sit with it, process it and feel it. Allow yourself to go there or allow yourself to feel those emotions. And then once you feel it and you cry about it, I like to say I'm a cry about, but I'm a boss up at the same damn time. That's what I like to say <laughs> because it's so true for me. And so once you allow yourself that space to do that, then you will find that what to do next becomes clearer to you. So that's another benefit of being emotionally available. It's not only about being emotionally available so that you can be in a better relationship or whatnot. It's just overall good for your life and how you move throughout life. And so once you, you know, are channeling those channeling those feelings, you'll find yourself then maybe updating your resume or Looking for something else in your field. Maybe you're in a job that's not really your field and you just got stuck there because you needed it. So you're finding something else. You're making moves. There's this girl I was coaching that hated her job. Hated it. And she hated how they, the politics of it, how they ran it. She hated everything about it. And she, we talked about how she had a rebellious nature. And she, and that came from her childhood. That's, an, that's another part. I'm not going to tell all her business. But she had a rebellious nature. And so she would try to speak out of it, speak out on it in meet in meetings about how they were doing wrong. This is not, you know, right to be doing this. I don't understand these politics is not right, you know, which is good to have a voice. And she would rebel. And so I would ask her, you know, why do you feel like you have to speak out on that? And why do you feel you have to bring that to her attention? She's like, I don't know. I just always have to say something. And I'm like, that's your rebellious nature kicking in it's a feeling that's kicking in and i said instead of trying to maybe channel it that way figure out another way and when you know it she got a better job double the pay and it's just a big big opportunity i don't want to give too much but when i say the job she was at was like here and a new one is in the same field because that's her field she loves her field but she just hates the company she's working for when I say she went from like here to like, um, I guess I would say entry level. And she's now like the big baddest on the jobs. I don't can't describe it. It's like a, a bam. It's like crazy. And I was like, see, that's what I'm talking about. You channel it and you manifest it. And I'm like, shit, her shit worked fast. I need to try. I need to try <laughs> to do that to myself. And and she got it. And it was it's great. So I'm telling you. She took those feelings and stayed and said, okay, I can do something else. I don't, I said, you don't have to stay there. You know, you don't have to stay there and fight with them. There are other companies, other things you can do. And so that's why I made that example. It's like, because she had an issue with emotional availability herself. When she first came to me, it was hard for her to open up about things. And I understand it and stood that. And so as we started talking more, she realized it was a safe space more. And I told her, you know, I said, don't, don't move so fast past those feelings. Feel it. What is it? What's what's that feeling? Let's process it. What what's named the feeling? What is this feeling that you're having? 
And when we discover what it is, that's when you can make the next move. And so, you know, we talk about the feelings more. I'm like, okay, so you're angry. I get it. You want to rebel. I get it. Let's rebel in a different way. You know, you can't change this company, but you can change companies. <laughs> Just like you can't change that man, but you can change men. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, so what I'm saying is, y'all... Be, becoming more emotionally available. It is such, such a journey. Um, and I want you to, if I didn't say this before, let me make sure I make this clear. It is okay that you are emotionally unavailable too. It is okay that you have trouble with feeling your feelings. It is okay if you have feeling issues with expressing them. You may have not ever learned how, or you may have not ever had a safe space to do so. You may not even know what a safe space looks like for you to be able to express yourself. So you have to consider that. That's how you take the shame off. And, you know, I hate how some people like to say, oh, they're just, you're just making an excuse. That's avoiding accountability. You're making an excuse. It's not. It is understanding a reason behind it so that you can move forward and fix it. It's not just accountability. It's not just holding yourself accountable saying I'm wrong I'm wrong I'm wrong and shaming yourself I hate how the social media has twisted that up and they're quick to try to say someone's not taking accountability just because they're naming the reason why they are the way they are so they can understand themselves and try to move forward and fix it that's taking accountability too it's not just shaming yourself make yourself feel bad like I'm wrong I shouldn't be doing this that's not what that's about that's that fake ass tough love that you know I got a bone to pick with I don't like tough love we do soft love over here and some people call it excuses but I've found that it worked for me and it worked for a lot of others you know it's basically understanding where it's all coming from instead of shaming yourself that's why it may be hard for you to be emotionally available because you're ashamed to feel the feelings you know and something else I want to touch on before I go is that I almost forgot to mention it may be difficult for you to be emotionally available because you feel like you wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, trigger warning. I am going to talk a bit about um, suicide, I guess I would say. So just a trigger warning on that. Um, before I move into that just a bit. Now... I do understand that sometimes when people feel those feelings and they let themselves get there and they feel the emotions, like it's easier for them to bypass the emotions because they're afraid to go there and afraid of they won't be able to get themselves out of it. They're afraid they may get too deep in the feelings or they're afraid that, you know, they may harm themselves. They don't know how to control those emotions and those feelings. Now, I'm no therapist. I'm not here to tell you how to work through that. I'm here to tell you that I understand that. And I'm here to tell you that there's help for that. You definitely reach out to a therapist to receive better help with how to process your feelings. That's something that I thought I would, sh would share and say because I know there are some people that have that difficulty with those emotions and feelings because of how triggered they would get and how unsafe they would feel in just their own body. I totally get that. So I want to be sensitive to that and say, definitely seek help. I do coaching, but I can't coach that. That's something. Well, 
I put it this way. I don't coach you on if you've ever felt like you wanted to kill yourself or had thoughts of committing suicide. That's something that's very touchy. Very, very touchy. And I feel a therapist would be more equipped to help you with that. I have to make that disclaimer. But I also have to say that I understand you're, if you're having a difficult time to feel the feelings because of that. That's something that I just wanted to share. Um, and trigger warning. But... Um, yeah, other than that, y'all, I want you to really take time with yourself like you would someone else that you either love or think about that guy that you were so in love with that you were trying to change. I want you to take all that energy back and put it into yourself. Think about like you're loving yourself so much and trying to change you think about it it's like you are the same way you had so much compassion for him you're now taking that compassion back and putting it to yourself that same understanding that deep understanding of all his bullshit that you have for him you're now taking that same deep understanding and compassion and you're understanding yourself that same way the same way you poured that that love and you know saying I love so hard the hard love that you poured into him you're now taking it and loving yourself through your shit you know you don't it's not your love is not just for loving others through their shit and I know that you feel like that maybe that's how you get others to love you or you get others to give a damn about you because you are willing to sit with them do their shit and love them through their shit but think about it sometimes those same people are not equipped and capable to love you the same way they're not able to reciprocate and so then you become resentful because it's like i'm pouring out this love into them why can't they love me the same way because they're not able to and so you have to leave that alone and take that same love and understanding and deep compassion you have for them and put it into you that is the key to you becoming more emotionally available yourself so that you can begin to date better quality people and even vet better quality people just in general for friendships, associates, all of that. Because now that you have healed and you're at a different level and you feel more emotionally available to yourself and you've healed yourself and have more compassion for yourself and understanding for yourself. You've gotten to a place to where you're like, okay, I've done the work. I deserve someone else that has done the work too. And so now you're dating differently. You're dating people that are more emotionally available. And I'm going to say this. When you get into your first healthy relationship with someone that is more emotionally available it may be hard for you to trust that it may be hard for you to understand that it may be hard for you to connect with that at first but i want you to slowly let their consistency build up and show you that this is safe you know allow yourself to lean into that a bit more each time they show you this is safe and that's how you slowly start to bring the walls down you know that's how you will slowly start to see yourself open up more to real love and to someone being emotionally available. And once you see that they are a safe space for you, before you know it, you know, you have, they have basically been at a corrective emotional experience for you and you've healed yourself. And it's 
made your journey that much easier. Like now, it's like I can cry at the drop drop of a dime. I don't care. I'm crying. I'm emotional. I get vulnerable. I've cried on this podcast on quite a few episodes. I don't care. And it's like that used to never be me. <laughs> never. But it's like I undid the shame around it. The shame that others that weren't equipped to handle their own emotions, let alone mine, the shame that they caused me to have for feeling, I've undid that. You know, and that's how you got to do that. There is no shame in feeling anything. Once you begin to sit with your feelings more, you will slowly erase the shame. And then you find yourself being in better spaces with people, better connections with people. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like having an emotionally available connection with someone. A friend, associate, boyfriend, husband, whoever. It's like such a safe, constantly healing space. Like, when I say constant healing, it's because... As you're on your journey, like if you have a disappointment or you're angry about something, you have the safe space to feel all the feelings. Like, I, and I, we have a friend chat. And whenever one of us is going through something, we talk about other stuff, but especially when we're having a bad day at work or we're crying or we're frustrated or sad, we put it in a group about, you know, we talk about it. And we help each other to process it and feel it. And we share our feelings. And like, I've been feeling the same way. And it's like, wow. And we all come together and share. We even have girls night where we share and we cry and we speak our feelings. And it's been such a healing space. I wish that you all could find a space like that with someone that you can just really let your guard down with, your heart down with. And the more you find spaces like that, safe spaces like that, you will find yourself to blooming more and more and becoming more and more alive. You know, so I wish that on all of you. I really, really do. And become that for yourself first. And then you'll find that it's easier to be more open with others because you're so open with yourself. So, yeah. But that's all I got for this podcast episode, girlfriends. As always, check out my one-on-one coaching on my Patreon. My books is on I've been that girl.net. Um, check out I got a quote book and a journal and my first part of my memoir, Toxic X Chronicles, John, that everyone really loves. And I want to say a quick thing about this book. Now, like, if, you know, if y'all still listen, I hope you are. I want to say a quick thing about that because that's something I've been meaning to mention to y'all about that second book. I just have to be honest. Like, I'm having issues with the second book because of something internally with me as well. Um, the first one, I felt like I wish it would have done a lot better. You know, a lot of people love it and I appreciate all of you. Everyone was so supportive. I have so many supportive people on Instagram and on, in the African Necker community and out of it. Like, I really do. But I, I guess I seen, I expected so much more for it by now. And so I have this internal thought process around the second one. Like, what's the point if it's not going to do good? You know? Am I wasting my time? And I've been... We're going back and forth for myself about that. And I'm working on it. I got quite a bit written. But it's just so hard to push through and keep writing. Because I feel like, what's the point? Like, it's, it's, it just makes me sad. Because I see so much more for it. And 
I'm so appreciative of the ones that really. Who I didn't think I was gonna be that emotional off of that. <laughs> like I'm so supportive. I mean, I'm so appreciative of the people that have been so supportive of what I've done so far and they're important to me. I really, 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 really appreciate that. I need that a lot more than you would think. But it's just been so hard trying to get the second one done. I have two more. And I know they're good. I love them. And a lot of people do. But it's like I see so much more for it. And it's like, you know, God gave me the dream to do it. But it's like, why is it not doing what I needed to do? I'm still having to work a 9 to 5 because, you know, it's not that's not supporting me like I needed to. I just see it so much bigger and it's like I expect it more and you know that's what still they say hurts the most is when you have those expectations and it don't come out how you expect it you know but I want to tell you this y'all I'm working on it and I'm, and I'm about to say fuck it I'm just going to write it no matter what it does because it still deserves to be in the world. It's still a good book. And I, I'm enjoying writing it. I enjoyed the second story the most. Like, y'all gonna really like... If y'all like the first one, y'all gonna love the second one. It's a bit different of a type of relationship I was in. A different... It's just crazy, too. I know it's good. And I, I just wish that it was much bigger than what it is. Like, enough for me to sustain a living off of it. And not have to work a nine to five. But I guess I'll get there. And it's like, how would you get there if you don't just do it? You know? And I watched my friends really supported me and talked talked helped helped me through because I was feeling it feeling it. Like in my feelings about it. And then I watched the Tyler Perry um docu documentary on Amazon Prime. He had had those same feelings of feeling like, God, like, why did you give me this dream and it's not working? Like, why am I failing? And I'm like, damn, if he had those feelings, look at him now. I can be the same way. And it's okay that I'm feeling like I'm feeling right now. I know it is okay. But it's just something that I have to heal and work through, and I am. And then randomly, my friend, one of my good friends in our group chat, she said, Beyonce's video for find you know find your way back. It's a, it's a song called Find Your Way Back, and it's basically saying you know in this big cruel world, find your way back um, to you. And I'm like, that's what I have to do. I keep trying to figure out why it's not working. It's because I gave up too soon. I have to find my way back to where it originally started, which is the books. And I've been writing y'all since I was a kid. Since I was a little girl. I wrote little short stories when I was like four and five. That's when I started. Love to read ever since then. And I'm like, that's why I've always felt that this is it. But it's like, I guess I expected it to just be like that. Bam, you write the book. I'm famous now. I'm rich now. But I got to keep going. I got to write more. I got to keep going. Find my way back to originally what it was supposed to be. I got off track. And I got two books. I got two more books in that series and another one that I'm writing about my healing journey. About all the things that I've healed in my life called soft love. I talked about it before. And it's about having self-compassion for yourself. And working through and healing through um, a lot of different things in life. Not just relationship stuff. It's so much in there. I've pretty much written all of the notes and the chapters and details and things that I want. I just got to 
fix it to how I want. But that's another one I was supposed to have finished this year on top of that second book. But I'm here to say now, y'all, please be patient with me through my struggle with getting through this. I've never really shared my struggle with actually following my dream, really. I kind of have. Maybe you heard some things, but that's why the second book's not out. I am struggling mentally with that. And I'm trying to push through, I guess, the the disappointment, the imposter syndrome, the feeling like it's not going to be good enough. What's the point? I'm trying my best to push through it. It is so difficult. And so I'm just going to write a little bit each each night, each week. I got a good bit done. More than I thought I did. I was, I was re-editing some other stuff. I'm like, I'm doing okay. I got a good bit. It's just getting it together. And I know it's a, it's a long process like the first one was. So I'm struggling because I'm like, am I doing all this struggling for no reason just for it to sell? Just to my people in my audience, a few people. But who knows how it's going to go. You know, I don't know until I try. So I'm going to push through. And that was my epiphany. And I'm like, that's what I got to do. Now I know for sure. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but oh well. I got to do it. And I am. It's coming. That book plus the third one. I really want all of it to come out. I want y'all to know my whole dating history. It's so good. And I got to get it out. So that's I'm using that excitement to propel me forward. So if you stuck around to hear that little bit, thank you. <laughs> yeah, following your dreams can be difficult. If it looks like someone is inconsistent, I swear to not trying to be inconsistent. It's just following a dream is hard. It's hard. But it's it, the dream is not leaving me alone. It's nagging at me. So I got to do it. But, yes, that's for real now all I got. I have been that girl.net. Link has everything. Books. Um, where to listen to my podcast. My social media pages. Um, about me is even on there. All of that good stuff. Check it out. I've been that girl.net. Um, but, yes, that's all I got for this podcast episode, girlfriends. Until the next one, peace out.